Hello and welcome to another episode of Watch Your Sign. Well, we are two moms here to encourage, empower, and inspire with love and laughter. I'm Amber. And I'm Melanie. Hey, Mel. How you doing? Hanging in there. Hanging in there. I am freezing, even though it's like 50 degrees out here. I don't understand what's going on. I know Pucks and Tony Phil said that it's going to be a couple more weeks to a winter, but you know, I don't know. You know, with them rodents, who knows? No, no to the no, to the no. You have no reason <laughs> to complain. Your power's on. You're in your house. Yes, you yes, that, that is true. You're right. Texas, you are so right. Oklahoma, all these people down here with negative temperatures and all of that. I'm not going to wipe your faces mm-hmm. with the warmth, but I'm just praying <laughs> for safety for all and to be wise. If you don't know what you're doing to drive in the snow, stay <sighs> put, stay put. I don't understand that. You know, I'm just, see, after my incident with snowmageddon and seeing thunder snow and being stuck on the highway for eight hours just after having a baby and needing to to um you know nurse and pump and and go to the bathroom and running out of gas yeah I don't drive I don't do snow I just don't do snow (laughs) it's traumatic for the people in that area because first of all they don't know what to do in this kind of weather because they're not accustomed to it I wonder if they got enough shovels in the state Mm. Yeah. You know, they just don't know what to do with this kind of weather. And supposed to get worse on Wednesday. Yeah, and you know, and that's why I'm just like, what do you mean you don't, there's no global warming, huh? <laughs> I don't understand that either. But you know. this They haven't had this kind of weather in that area since 1989. So it's mm. It's tough. You know, some of these folks wasn't even born in. I know. So they have a clue in life. What, what do you They're like, what you say? Absolutely. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yes. But, you know, it is also still Black History Month or to some African American History Month. And we are still going to go through and over many things that have happened in history which pertains to the african-american and i know that you're going to touch on some things and you know i i just have to because you know i was watching again the end game avengers and that scene when they're all about to duel and the men are just you know they're just like okay i can't do this anymore and the women just showed up i was like yes who runs the world Girls, who runs the world? Girl, no, okay. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus. We just, know they got that black magic woman thing. Yes. So it was just, it was like, look at this power. But yeah, I wanted to just touch on some of the things, the first that African American women did, you know, and it's just, and it's a lot. I mean, I'm, I won't be able to go over everything, but I'm going to touch on a few. Um, you and know, are doing not just yes did, just did doing. still doing still in the processing and mm-hmm. you know look we got some little babies that we don't even know that's gonna come up and say i did that first 
<laughs> yes, ma'am. You know, so, yeah, and I know, Mel, you were talking about you might have some unknown, unbeknownst to us tidbits. Yeah, unbeknownst. Some of these women have just kind of, well, uh, for fascist and racist reasons, have slipped through the cracks. But there are those that have made it known and we have found them and we just want to applaud them. I mean, you know, present day, let's look at Miss Lena Horn, who will be on a forever postage stamp for the month of Black history. Yes. I mean, hey, we're talking about a Renaissance woman. And Lena, for some reason, well, no, it ain't for some reason. It was just God's reason. She was just looking more beautiful with age. I said, what is she the, the doing? of his handiwork, <laughs> honey, is something to marvel at. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, ma'am. You know, and then, of course, we have Miss Shirley Chisholm, who was not only the first African-American woman elected into the U.S. Congress. She was also the first African-American woman to run for president. Yes, ma'am. And she served seven years in Congress. Mm -hmm. That is just amazing. Now, we have an amazing designer that I'm sure people didn't know about. This woman was named Ann Lowe. She was a trailblazer, a designer, and technically she was considered a hidden figure. Mm. Woman designed the wedding gown of Jackie Onassis back in 1953. And rather than give her her accolades, uh, Ms. Onassis, when they asked who was the designer of her gown, she simply responded that it was a colored woman. Mm-mm. Not only did she design Jackie's gown, but she designed her mother's gown when she married someone else afterwards. So this woman's gifts and talents, though they may have been hidden in a written sense, acknowledging her name, her work is part of the Smithsonian as one of the wedding gowns so she's she's been immortalized regardless and we now know who she is and her name again is Anne Lowe oh my goodness that is amazing so we also have someone and I know a lot of people have said um Mitzi Copeland Misty Copeland Misty Copeland you know the prima ballerina well you know not that she is not But Janet Collins was the first artist to perform perform full-time at the Metropolitan Opera House, the first African-American woman. And she actually became the first prima ballerina full-time for the Met. And this was in 1951, and she danced in Aida and Carmen. Now... The thing about this is that oh. because, because during this time, and one, she's a woman, and two, she was African-American, there were a lot of racial divides and, and racism. So she actually was 
accepted in New York a lot, but not in many other places. So they wouldn't allow her to dance. And they, they I just, I'm going to say this, they, uh, they gave the understudy the prima ballerina spot, you know, because of this. And it's just, it's, it's so disheartening that, you know, you've, you've done this work and you've worked this hard and you have this gift and talent to show the world. And because of ignorance, you know, you can't do that all the time. So I just think, you know, Janet Collins was just, you know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I didn't even know that when I was doing my research, I was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Well, another first that we have that I just learned about not long ago um, was one of uh, the Radio City Rockettes, an African-American woman by the name of Jennifer Jones. So she was the first African-American woman to appear in the lineup of women which was exclusively white for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the 80s that, 1984, I believe it is, yes, that she became the first African-American radio rockette. That is awesome. Now, I know, you know, there are a lot of sports fans and things like that. And there are a lot of people that say, well, women shouldn't play certain sports and women shouldn't do this and women shouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho. There was an African-American woman by the name of Mamie Johnson who played in the Negro League in baseball. Yes. And she was the first African-American and only woman to pitch in the Negro League. So she actually was alongside with men um, and she played for a team called the Indiana Clowns. So they finally did recognize her in the NBL, um, but she was a trailblazer, you know, my, you know, and a lot of people, there's, there's just like there are women out there that play football. I personally just don't understand that, but <laughs> I mean, I can get the baseball and, you know, you have the softball and you have soccer, you know, those kinds of things, but I'm just not for anybody just jumping on top of me. <laughs> that's just me but I'm not saying you know look if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do go ahead girls you know but yeah that's that's just not me so but I was just it was just amazing because she was it wasn't that she was she wanted to really play with an all-female baseball league but you know, of course, because she's African-American, that didn't happen. But she was able to play. And the men, she said, the men on the league were very considerate and respectful of her. So, you know, I said, go, go ahead. All right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, just one correction. I think I said 1984 with Jennifer Jones. I stand corrected. It was 1987 when she became the first African-American Radio City Music Hall Rockette. Lift that leg. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, ma'am. So she met every standard of, you know, height restrictions, weight. You know, they weren't, they were you know, they always were together. They were never to be in place where people were gossiping or speaking negatively. They had a lot of restrictions, mm-hmm. but she joined the lineup and she held her own. And uh, she's uh, out of New Jersey. So 
another first that we don't hear much of is Claudette Colvin. And she was the first African-American to refuse to give up her seat on a bus. And this happened in March of 1955, nine months prior to the illustrious Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. This young lady was only 15 years old when the driver asked her to give up her seat for a white woman. And she stated, it is my constitutional right to keep my seat. Mm. I paid the fare and I can keep my seat. Well, of course, you know, in short, <clears throat> the bus was detained. She was arrested in jail and she became, she was one of four women who uh, had a segregation case and was challenged in court. Wow. So she was only 15 years old. So when you think about that, like, I mean, at the time, uh, her story, she talks about how she was studying about Rosa Parks and Sojourner Truth. And when this incident was uh, happening, her accounts was she said she could just feel the presence of Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman telling her, keep your seat, stay right there, don't move. You know, and those were the things that she highlighted that continued to uh, give her the courage to stand her ground. Wow, that is awesome. So her name is Claudette Colvin, and she was 15 years old. Wow. I know we were talking about sports, um, and that brings to mind Althea Gibson. Tennis player. Yes. 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 She paved the way for Serena. Yes, yes she, she did. did. For the Williams sisters. Yes. Because it she had a hard time, you know, gaining access to playing in certain and in, in to compete. And actually there was a woman that wrote in on her behalf. Said, Look, you don't understand the talent that is out here. She needs to play. So she was afforded the right to play. And in 1950, she was the first African-American woman to compete at the U.S. Nationals at Forest Hills. Now, even though that she lost the first year, it was okay. Because, you know, sometimes failure isn't a bad thing. It just makes you better for the next time. <laughs> she was the first African-American woman to win U.S the U.S. National in 1957 and also win the first and also the first um, African-American woman to win the singles title at Wimbledon. So this woman, you know, she didn't give up at all. You know, she she did what she had to do and someone saw her and saw the gift that she had. And she said, look, uh-uh. I'm going to help this woman get to where she needs to be. So this was, that was just a wonderful thing, you know, and she kept, she kept on with her winning streak. For, <laughs> so, you know, that was, that was an, an awesome thing. Um, but, you know, I know we're going to continue with this, but we we need to take a break. So we will talk about more of the first black women, the firsts that black women have achieved in the history. We'll be right back. 
And we are back. Yes, we are back. We are talking about the firsts in African-American history regarding women. Yes. And now what do you have for us next? You know what? I, I know we've been talking about the stage and entertainment. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the character that we caricature rather that we see today known as Betty Boo. Yes, honey. I was wondering where that was coming. Go ahead. <laughs> she is a black woman. Yes, yes. Oop oop do. <laughs> Esther Jones. And she was a black jazz singer in Harlem. She was introduced in 1930 by a caricature or a cartoonist, sorry, named Max Flesher. And the caricature of the jazz age flapper was the first and most famous sex symbol in animation. So this was the first time that a sex symbol appeared. And here this woman had been in the Harlem Jazz Club singing for years. And Jones was a regular performer at the Cotton Club in the 20s. Mm. And he decided, he came and he saw her. And the boop boopy doop was part of her repertoire when she sang. You know, during the time there were women that scat, she did the boop boopy doop. And that was part of the signature of uh, making her Betty Boop. Mm-hmm. But she is a black woman, though she's depicted Picted. in the cart in the caricature as a white woman. Well, you know, you also have to look at if you really look at Betty Boop. Let's look at some of her features. Betty Boop has some lips, <laughs> well. and she's thick in the thighs too, honey. <laughs> And don't forget the little junk in the trunk. The junk in the trunk, honey. So I'm gonna y'all can y'all can say what you wanna, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So yes, that that is a awesome tidbit. Yes, indeed. And, you know, and I'm still gonna just go on with some a little bit more sports here. You know, Wilma Rudolph. Mm-mm-mm. Yes, yes, that girl was fast. Yes, indeed. She was the first African-American to make history in the 60s at the Olympic Games in Rome as the first African-American woman to win not one, not two, but three track and field gold medals in a single Olympic game. And they were the 100, the 200, and the four by one relay. Now that girl was <laughs> moving. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> moving. Oh my goodness. And you know, then and I mean she paved the way. Look, you have yeah, Flojo. Yes. Had, I'm just about to mention her. Yes, you have Flojo. You have my girl um Gail Devers. You know, yes. it's it's so many um african-american women in track and field and and that that have joined the olympics and that and and i just want to say say it again allison Felix. yes and you just have to realize it's not just about being an african-american woman but they paved the way for women because it was very difficult for many women to get into the olympics and it was also even more difficult 
for women of certain religious backgrounds to be considered or not even for them, but for their people to allow them to be in, in the Olympics. So I just have to just, yes, go William, go Wil- right. Wilma, I meant. <clears throat> well, and shout out to Jackie Joyner Kersey. Yes, also. Jackie Joyner Kersey. is the uh, sister-in-law. So, mm-hmm. so many. But on another tidbit, which I was just like almost blown away to find out, was that of Maya Angelou. In 1944, she became the first black cable car conductor in San Francisco. Wow. And still I I rise. (laughs) Well, you know, speaking of rising, this is a woman who stood six feet in stature. Mm -hmm. And if you look back at a lot of the things that she's been seen in, you rarely saw her standing. Standing. Yeah. She was always sitting in the presence of many of the women that she was around, mm-hmm. but you really had no inkling of how tall this woman was um, in, in, in movies and in, in different things that she was seen. in. it was, and if she was seen standing, it was uh, the one we, I can recall from one of Tyler Perry's productions. It was from a distance. Yes. And because it was from such a distance, you didn't really have, um, a feel for how tall she was mm-hmm. um, in re- in relation to the women that she was around, but she was a cable car conductor in San Francisco, and that was in 1944. You know, she must have had a presence on that cable car, honey. I know. I'm I know. <laughs> if this ain't your stop, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I just want to add, I actually had the pleasure in meeting her. Um, and, and, and this also goes with, with, with a first, um, because we were, I was doing a show that was entitled, if this hat could talk. And it was a, the story of Dr. Dorothy Hyde, who happened to be the first and only African-American woman in the room, um, with, in regards to, uh, Martin Luther King and, um, the the oh gosh gosh what are they called what were they called I can't even remember what they were called but she was the only one at the podium you know when Martin Luther gave his speech she was it was a group of them and um I was I actually you know had the pleasure of meeting both of them because we were doing the play and Maya Angelou um she was friends to uh Dr. Dorothy Height and um it was just amazing. No, and I mean, I'm I'm a little person anyway, so I was always looking up at people. But yeah, she was tall. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes, that that is that is amazing. Um, you know, we also speaking of the show, um, we also had a character in there uh, by the name of Mary McLeod Bethune. Yeah, and she was uh she was dedicated into the education of of African-Americans and, and especially black girls. And she founded the Daytona Normal and Industrial Institute in 1904, f- which was a school for black girls. Um, so and that's where if you've heard of 
uh, Bethune Cookman, she actually there, she joined with Cookman College, which was for the boys and they joined team together and they joined together and it was now uh, Bethune Cookman College. Um, but yeah, she was also a very uh, great woman in leadership uh, that, that ha- ha- held the helm in education. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, while we're talking about education, let's jump on a little bit of medicine as it relates to education. We have Rebecca Lee Crumpler, and she was the first African-American female in the United States to receive a medical degree. Mm, 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 mm. We're talking of 54,000 plus doctors. There were only 300 women and none of them were black. So Dr. Rebecca Crumpler, we salute you as being the first doctor in the United States of America. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, speaking of education, we cannot forget Little Miss Ruby Bridges. Yeah. Little Miss Ruby Bridges, the little baby girl. You know, I know we talked about um the 15-year-old, but she was even younger, elementary school age. Yes, she ma'am. said, Look, I'm in this city and I need to go to school. And I don't want to go to these others. I need to go to a good school. And she decided that I am going to be the first to desegregate. A white school in the South. And she did just that. You know, amongst crowds of of adults screaming at a child, being belligerent, condemning, shouting all types of expletives, throwing, spitting, all kinds of things. She actually had the National Guard, uh, you know, walk with her to go to school. <laughs> yeah. And... So- armed every day and 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 her mother was like oh my gosh my baby (laughs) you know so but she said I want to go to school and I want to go to this school so I can get a good education why should I not be able to go to the school of my choice to get a good a, a proper education and she decided with her little self and her great mind to say I'm still gonna walk yeah they might be cussing at me and everything else but I'm going to get my education. And she did just that. All right. (laughs) Yes. Let's look a little bit about some of the money making in this country by African-American women. I have Annie Turnbow Moline. And she was actually the first black millionaire. She was one of the first black millionaires in this country. And she started a hair care company called Poro Company. And she actually hired Sarah Breadlove to do door-to-door sales. But we know Sarah as Madam C.J. Walker. Walker. Yes! Her own hairline. So we're actually shouting out two women who became millionaires in this country. Annie Turbo Malone, the first, Mm -hmm. and Madam C.J. Walker with her invention of the hair care line products 
And she actually invented the hair care products because she personally was suffering from scalp issues. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really the hot comb that put her on the map. It was really her actual products to relieve the discomforts that she personally was experiencing and found that they were helpful to other African-American women. And in the manageability category, the invention of the hot comb catapulted her into a column of millions mm, every time you say hot comb i feel that heat i just feel the heat Ooh, <laughs> back of the neck oh i feel that heat and that smell it's that smell just smells like you're cooking food <laughs> well it could have been a combination of what was being oh. used well, well look or it could have been because we were also in the kitchen <laughs> And both kitchens at that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hold um, your ear and keep still. Right. This this don't hurt. <laughs> yeah. So I also wanted to to talk about just um bring up um poetry. You know, a lot many of us love to listen to a great piece of poetry and read poems and even write. But just want to tell you the first African-American, she was from West Africa and she was um, in West Africa in 1751. And by 1761, she was uh, taken to Boston where she was actually taught literature and how to read and schooling by the Wheatley family. And her name is Phyllis Wheatley. She became the first African-American author to publish a book of poetry. And those poems were, the, the, her first book of poetry was called Poems on Various Subjects, Religious and Moral. That was the title of the book of poetry. So, but I, it was interesting to me because when she, they, she was taken from West Africa, but those that she was brought to, they actually taught her literature, which is not common, you know, during that time, you know, black people were not educated, but they educated her. Um, so I, I think that it's just an awesome thing, you know, that Phyllis Wheatley, again, uh, was the first author to be published, first American, first African-American woman to be published. Um, so it's, a, it's an amazing feat. Awesome. Well, while we're on the subject of poets, let's talk a little bit about our little modern day poet, Amanda Ooh. Gorman. Mm -hmm. And she was our, our African-American poet and activist who delivered her amazing poem the hill we climb at the inauguration of the u.s president joe biden and she also has a published book of poetry the one for whom food is not enough in 2015 so she's our modern day let's say poet and our first uh she's also she's also the youngest poet to uh give the uh to speak at the inauguration so we want to shout her out amanda gorman she's actually a twin oh okay yeah she's Didn't know that 
<clears throat> and yeah. since we're on since we're on the topic of inaugurate inauguration, um, and look, we can go on again. We can go on for hours, but I'm going to give this last one here. Vice President, the first African American and South Asian Vice President woman. I forgot to add woman. Kamala Harris. Yes, indeedy. She has paved the way. And her, wait a minute. Her name uh, is, what is it? It's, is it, is it not Pioneer? I forgot what her name is. What's her, her code name? Because you know they all have a code name. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, it escapes me. Yeah, it's, it's, um, oh my gosh. Trail, it's not Trailblazer. I, don't, I think it might be Pioneer. I think it might be Pioneer. But um, I'm still trying to, I'm still waiting on for her husband's because he ain't got one yet. <laughs> well, he's the first gentleman, so. Uh, no, but that shouldn't matter. You had all the time in the world. That's oh just like look, like they do, like they do for the Super Bowl. They don't know who's gonna win, but they make all them hats for either one. <laughs> Those hats and shirts, which one, which one? So they on the ready. But anyway, but yeah, we just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just ready. <laughs> but we um we want we want to share with you because there are a lot of people that don't know their history. And I'm saying their history, and I know people are saying, well, it's black history, but it's it's everyone's history because without them, there wouldn't be a many a thing. <laughs> without those that paved the way, without those that invented, without those that 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 trudged, you know, and 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 sweated and you know, dripped blood sometimes. Without that, no one would have the things that we use, have the things that we need, have the things that that are just necessary for for life itself. Um, so we just can't say that, oh, it's it's a black thing, it's a black thing. No, I mean it's a it's an everyone thing. It's a world thing. Um, it just happened that African Americans did it. You know, so yeah. you mm-hmm. just have to realize that you know, without it, oh, I could not go on. <laughs> we could. We... Can I just get one last one? Okay, okay, go ahead, go ahead. This one last woman. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what else can I say? Shonda Rhimes. Ooh. This woman has a net worth of over $135 million. She started out as the writer of The Princess Diaries and is the first Black woman to show run a successful primetime drama on a broadcast network. And we're talking about her front runner of Grey's Anatomy, yeah. the spinoff of Private Practice, and y'all know the political thriller of Scandal, which had y'all glued to the TV week after week. And she's just continuing to come up with more and more now, wait a minute, honey, don't, don't forget how to get away with murder and Bridgerton. off the map. The Catch, Station 19. She's just, the, the list goes uh, well, on and did, did on you and say, on. You didn't say Bridgerton, honey. Well, 
those that's her Netflix. Yeah, but production. still, she just it, it, no, no, no. I'm not trying <laughs> to discredit any of her works because again, she is broadening her base. And to your point, yes, Netflix Bridgerton. So she is just she's just taking the network by storm. She is, and I'm not mad. And she's taking a lot of people up to a new level in a lot of areas. I mean, we can't even say enough about Kerry Washington, Viola Davis. I mean, just, and the list goes on and on. Like, uh, I think a sister's got the Midas touch. You think? Because everything she touching is gold, I'm trying gold, to say, gold. look, Shonda, um, you got some space for me. Hey. <laughs> All up. Call That's her right. Call her up. Yes, honey. Women in power. We're making. They're making moves. You know, and there's not any industries that we can even mention where women have not been in some form of power that have not blazed a trail that they have not had their hands in. It. And and let me let me say this for women who are listening, even for the men that are listening that know women. Um. I, with with what you just said, it's very important. Yes, we have, there are so many feats and, and bounds and leaps that we have done, that we have gone through, that we are still going through. The power, the, the black girl magic, but just women in general, the power that we have, we are, and really we are the producers, okay? You know, if, if you notice, we we produce we produce in childbearing we 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 are we are just made that way to do to to show here it is you know um but please ladies don't think that because you do have this power that god has given to you those gifts those talents that makes room for you do not make that something that you can belittle a man about because I've seen it so many times and I hear it that women say oh I don't need a man or or these single mothers because I ain't one of them oh I'm the mama and the daddy see this is where you're wrong see the bible talks about that God gave man the leadership role okay Yes, if you're by yourself, of course, you have no any, you don't have another option to be the leader, to be the head of everything. But when you are wanting to be in a relationship, in a, in, as you're in a marriage, that you have to understand that, no, we're not saying submit in, the Bible's not telling you to submit in the way of where you sometimes misconstrue the word of, Oh, I got to walk with my head low, bow down 10 steps behind my husband. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible is talking about. And it means to just allow the man to be the man that he is supposed to be, the man that, that, that God has called him to be and follow his lead. Yes, you will be sharing things equally. You will communicate with one another, but still allow him to lead don't emasculate the man please and and we and I know I'm going over time but this, I just need to get this out <laughs> but it's just so many women do that because they have oh I made this money and I made, built this empire and I have this and I have that and I don't need a man or when they do have him oh 
You don't, I don't need to tell you what I have in my bank account. I don't need you to do this for me. I can do it myself. Look, so yes, we understand that. But your independence, you know, has a space in between there. You know, you, yes, we are all individuals. When we come together, as God said, the two shall become one. Because there are, there are women, I don't want to give him my, I don't want his last name for what? I'm like, what? Huh? What? What? It's not taking anything away from you, <laughs> and I think that's where there's some fear in that. That that if if I give him too much, then I'm going to be belittled. Then I'm going to be downgraded. Then I'm going to be looked down upon, and which isn't the case. Hey, but let me also tell you this: make sure that you with the man that is standing on the word of God, that is not abusing you, using you, and accusing you. You guys have to work together. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> in short, in knowing who you are and confidence in the way in which God made you fearfully and wonderfully, you recognize your role and there's a certain level of humility and there's a certain level of confidence that God will allow you to exude without compromising the level of your relationship with your husband. Thank you. <laughs> well, we don't want to leave you without praying for you. So Lord, we ask you right now to cover those that are listening, even cover their families, cover their friends, Lord. We ask you in the name of Jesus that they will enjoy what they heard and tell their friends about it. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you will continue to provide and protect and heal, heal them right now. In your mighty precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So when you hear something strange, see something odd, always remember to say what you say. Until next time, we will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.